0: Good morning, New Life Church. Good morning. So great to be back here again after, I think, many years. And uh, it is a great joy to see uh, see you all, meet you all in person, and uh, even to preach from God's Word this morning. Have you ever wished that there would be no death? That we could go on living forever? You know, most days, life is hard enough, that we can't imagine living this life forever. But sometimes we wish that death didn't exist at all. You know, when I'm with my daughter, Amelia, I find myself wishing that I could be with her all the way into adulthood and to see her children and to see them grow up and to see their children and to see them grow up. You know, you get the idea. (laughs) <laughs> and death just seems like a major inconvenience that may stop me from being with my child throughout, throughout her life. And I want to ask you, perhaps you have felt that way about death. And perhaps you felt that way maybe when someone close to you was dying. In June last year, my father passed away. And towards the end of his life, he suffered so much that I think death must have felt like a welcome relief to him. But for me and my mother and all the people that loved him dearly, we just hated death. And we miss him terribly. And we wish that there was some way we could reverse what happened and to bring him back to us the way he was before all of his suffering. Life is hard, isn't it? And death is just awful. But that is the reality of life in this world. And so the question is, how are we as Christians to make sense of these things? Well, our psalm this morning that we are going to turn to, which is Psalm 90, is a meditation on this idea of death and the truth and reality about the finiteness of our life in this world. So, let me encourage you all, if you um, can, please open your Bibles and turn to Psalm 90 as I read this passage for us. Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, For we have brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. (coughs) For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end, like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble, For as many days as you have afflicted, for as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Well, this psalm, In verse 1, we are told, is a psalm of Moses. Did you notice that? What that means is, this is then the oldest psalm we have in the entire book of Psalms. Now, if you know anything about the way the book of Psalms is structured, there are five books. And um, in this section of the book of Psalms, it talks about the people of God being in exile because of God's judgment against them. Uh, due to their sin. And a lot of these psalms seem seem to be reflecting on God taking his people back home safely. So it's very likely that these psalms were sung by God's people when they were in exile. And so you can understand why it is so fitting that we have a psalm that is written by Moses, since God used Moses to deliver his people from the land of Egypt. And that's what they were looking forward to. Now the truths that we see in the psalm are very relevant for us today. We have been spending a few years in COVID. Uh, We are surrounded by fear of sickness and death. People all over the world are forced to face their own mortality. And the reality that they may die even before they are ready. And so the best thing for us to do, whether we feel that or not, is to turn our hearts and minds to meditate on who God is. And that is what Moses does in this psalm. So if you are taking notes, these are the three points that I want us to see in this passage, Psalm 90. And the three points have to do with God's character. Number one, we are going to see God's eternality from verses 1 to 6. Number two, we are going to see God's wrath from verse 7 to 11. And finally, we are going to see God's steadfast love in verse 12 to 17. Why is it important for us to consider these characteristics of God? One of the reasons is because during times of crisis, confusion abounds. You know, D.A. Carson says, One of the major causes of confusion among Christians is that our expectations are false. He says, We do not give the subject of evil and suffering enough thought until we ourselves are confronted with tragedy. And if our beliefs are out of step with God, who has disclosed himself in the Bible and supremely in Jesus, then the pain from the personal tragedy may be multiplied many times over. As we begin to question, the very foundations of our faith. So, I pray that as we read this psalm, we will think correctly about who God is. Now, the psalmist begins by reminding the people of God that God has been their dwelling place, verse 1. Very simply, what this phrase, dwelling place, an important phrase in all the scripture, it simply means home. Now, this is a significant theme if you were to read the entire Bible. So from the first book of the Bible, Genesis, to the very last book of the Bible, Revelation, all of that is one story. And it is a story of how God is making a way to dwell with his people forever. Now, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the way that God did this, dwelt with his people, was through the tabernacle and the temple but it was only pointing forward to something else. It was pointing forward to a future that God's people will have with God. It mm-hmm. was really pointing forward to a future that would be fulfilled in the person of Christ. Even the lowliest human being can experience this. They can dwell with God in peace and gladness, provided that that person has a right relationship with God through Christ. And God's people have always been happy and safe when they have found their dwelling with God. And this is still true today. Even today, these truths are true for us. Well, how do we know that? How can we be so sure that God is a dwelling place for His people in all generations? These things that we are reading this morning, Psalm 90, was written a long time ago. How do we know it is still true today? Well, he explains in verse 2. He says it is because God is an eternal God. What that means is God has always existed and he will always continue to exist. There was never a day when God was not. And so you see, God is not like us. He says in verse 3 that we are made from dust, and to dust we shall return. And what that means is, there is a time that is appointed for all of us, when we will cease to exist, when we will have to die. And so you see, the concept of time is different for God compared to us. God views time differently, and if we were to view time the way God views it, we would see how different it is. In verse 4, he says, a thousand years for God is like one day, and when it is past, it is like yesterday. Or as the psalmist says in verse 4, it's like a watch in the night, a short four-hour period in the middle of the night. That's it. A thousand years for God. You know, when we think of our lives We think that we live a long time. And that is because our life is the longest experience that we have. We don't have any other experience that is longer than that, our lives. But yet you see, from God's perspective, from God's eyes, it is just but a few moments. And so we are meant to see how big our God is. Wayne Rudin writes, the difference between God's being and ours is more than the difference between the sun and the candle. More than the difference between the ocean and a raindrop. More than the difference between the Arctic ice and the snowflake. More than the difference between the universe and the room we are sitting in. God's being is qualitatively different. No limitation of this creation should be projected to God. He is the creator. All else is creation. All else can pass away in an instant. God must exist. He necessarily exists forever. So when we think about this character of God, God's eternality, it should humble us. You know, if you were to even think about what that means for a moment, you know, your head will start to hurt. Even the most intelligent person in the world cannot fully comprehend what it means for God to be an eternal God. Yet too often, we forget that truth about ourselves, don't we? We forget the truth that we are finite and that our understanding is very limited. Too often, we like to think of ourselves as equal to God. Sometimes, we think of ourselves as even wiser than God. And so many people reject the idea of God altogether because it is so offensive to them when they compare themselves with who God is. The idea that we are so insignificant compared to how great our God is is deeply offensive. Yet, even these people who are offended by their limitations cannot help but marvel at so many things in creation when they stand next to a majestic mountain like what Moses mentions in verse 2 that are so old so much older than the life that we live you can't help but marvel at how big these things in creation are but even those things even the mountains have a beginning how much more so then should we marvel at how great our God is Who has no beginning, who has no end, who is not subject to any change. In comparison to God, we are described in verse 5 as a flood or dream or grass that quickly fades and withers. We are all mortals and so much more than we like to think of ourselves. And not only that, but the reality is we don't even leave much of a mark behind. You see, in our quest to be more than who we really are, we all want to leave behind a legacy. And that's because secretly we know that when we die, there might be a few people that might mourn for us, or miss us, but a couple of hundred years from now, most of us will be completely forgotten. We truly are like dreams that seem so fresh when we sleep, but vanish when we wake up. So as I say all these things, I want to ask you, are you feeling discouraged? Do you feel like your life and efforts in this life are futile? You see, God wants us to meditate on how fleeting our existence is in this life, not to make us feel miserable about ourselves, but to cause us to turn to Him, who is so much more bigger and greater than we are. So we've considered the fact that we are finite, but we must also ask ourselves the question, why is it that we are the way we are? And in particular, why is it that we all will face death, which seems so unnatural to us? So let's consider, secondly, God's wrath in verses 7 to 11. You know, it's only when we get to verse 7 in this psalm, we are told the reason for why we die. And the simple reason is, it's because of God's wrath against us. God's anger against us. So friends, I hope you know that there is something wrong when we experience death in this life. Death can seem so normal to us, but it should never be normal. Death is not part of our design. When God created us in Genesis 1.31, you know what he said? He called us very good. But man fell into sin in Genesis chapter 3, very shortly. Adam and Eve, our first parents, they did not trust God. And they rebelled against God's right rule in their lives. And their sin corrupted the whole human race. And the curse of their sin has affected the whole world, including each and every one of us at this world. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, Sin came into the world through one man, and death came to all. That is why we all experience the reality of death. But it's not just Adam's sin, is it? Because the psalmist implies in verse 8 that we have all sinned. It is all of our iniquities that have done this. And so death is a sentence by God on us because of our guilt of sin. And so death is meant to be a constant reminder to us that we have offended God and we deserve His wrath. And the world we live in is broken because of the sin. So every time we see death on the news, or we hear about death of a friend or a family, we are meant to see how serious our sin is and what it is deserving of. We are meant to see that sin is deserving not only of bodily death, but also of eternal death. You know, the problem with the way the world thinks about sin is that it's not that the world denies the existence of sin and evil. It is that they deny the seriousness of sin in their own lives. So sin is often talked about as a mistake or a slip-up that people make. That is not really that bad. It's not very serious. And so many people would laugh at the idea that death is a consequence of our offense against God. That we have done something so terrible (coughs) that we have offended God, that we deserve his eternal wrath forever. People would laugh at you if you were to say that. But we have to view our sin in light of who God is. So God is holy, and all of our sin are against him personally. And that is why it is so serious. And notice, The psalmist reminds us that he sees all of our sins in verse 8, even our secret sins. So God looks into our heart. He sees every evil thought, every false word that we were meant to utter, every sin that we do not even see in our own hearts about ourselves. Nothing escapes his gaze. God sees All of our sins. So friends, you know, the thoughts that you think, the things that you think you do in the privacy of your homes, or in the privacy of your phones, the Psalm is saying nothing is hidden from God. Imagine if our sin was to be broadcast in front of other people. Imagine if on the projection screen, just from this last week, all of our thoughts, everything that passed through our minds was to be projected for all to see. We would be mortified. And we would be ashamed of what other people would think of us. But how much more seriously should we take our sin knowing that nothing escapes the gaze of God? God sees all of our sins clearly and he takes them very seriously because ultimately all of our sin is against God. In verse 9 and 10 the psalmist says that God's wrath is shown not just in the fact that we will all die, but also in this, that even the few days that we have in this world, the 70 or 80 years, even those few days are filled with expressions of God's wrath. So, not only is our life short, but it is full of toil and trouble. It is full of suffering. And that is because of God's curse against mankind because of our sin. Even the good days that we have, to be honest, are really good, relatively speaking, every day has pangs of God's displeasure against sin in this world. John Calvin describes our lives in this world like this. He says, We live a dying, whining, complaining life, and at last a groan is its termination. What an expressive life we live. Yet, who among us can accuse God that he has done something wrong? God is just. His wrath is right. We deserve all that is coming to us. We deserve far worse than the suffering that we will experience in this world. And that is because of our sin against our God. Friends, I hope you see that what the psalmist is describing is a description of all of us. Paul says in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve His wrath. And yet, despite everything that we see in this world, despite all the sufferings, the brokenness that we see in this world, how many of us can say that we have actually taken God's wrath into proper consideration? How many of us can say that we have an adequate sense of God's displeasure against sin? Or as the psalmist asks in verse 12, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? You see, many are rejecting and resisting the signs of God's wrath that we have in this life right now. And the reason is, because they do not fear God rightly. Well, let's come to our last point. God's steadfast love. As we come to this last section, verse 12 to 17, we come to Moses' prayer in light of everything that he has reflected so far in this psalm. Notice the first thing he prays for in verse 12. He says, To teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, it is important that we ask God to give us wisdom, but what is wisdom exactly in this psalm? Here, wisdom is to learn to number our days. In, In other words, it is to consider our mortality and to be able to live in light of it. It's interesting, isn't it, that we need to be taught to number our days. You know, our life in this world has a number, we all know that. There is an expiry date. We don't know when that date is, but we all know there is one. And when we are young, we live like our life will go on forever, like we will never die. We are also slow to learn this lesson, an important lesson, that life is like a vapor. We are all told about the value of seizing the day to making the most of today, to focusing on what's before us right now. But what exactly is the value of learning to number our days? You see, in our blindness, we forget very easily that our life is coming to an end. And we forget that we are finite. We can begin to think we are like God, that we are not bound by time. So how do we learn this lesson? How do we learn that we are finite? And that our lives are going to come to an end soon. Well, notice he says, God must teach us that. That's why he prays to God. Only God can teach us that. So, let me encourage you to then pray, like the psalmist, that you too will have a heart of wisdom. So that you too will learn to number your days. And to live in light of that. And let me also encourage you to read passages in the Bible where you can reflect on the mortality of men, the shortness of life we live in this world, the vanity of life. There are many psalms, even in the psalms, that can teach us this. So Psalm 102, verse 2 and 3, the psalmist says, Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn like furnace. For Psalm 103, verse 15, he says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. Don't reject these reflections. They may make you sad, but they, they will make your hearts better. In verse 13, Moses cries out, How long, O Lord? Even when we learn that our days are short, we can still feel that they are long. And that is because a life that is full of suffering makes even the short time that we have in this world seem extremely long. Have you ever heard of the saying, time flies when you're having fun? The opposite is true too. You know, uh, a few years ago during lockdown, during COVID, when I couldn't go outside, I um, took up a resolution to do a 30 minute long workout every day. Now, if you knew me, you would know that I'm not in the best shape and uh, even a 30 minute workout is extremely hard for me. And it was only 30 minutes long. And usually I feel like I don't really have time for anything. Time seems to fly by. But those 30 minutes, I tell you, just seemed like they were never going to end. (laughs) And for some reason, the last 10 minutes seemed even longer. You know, have you had this experience of feeling like time seems to slow down when you're going through something really hard in your life? And you may be going through something hard in your life right now. And you may be crying out to God like Moses in the Psalm. How long, O Lord? I want to say it's not unspiritual to pray this prayer. We can feel like that. It's not unspiritual to cry out to God in the midst of feeling the pain of living in this broken world. And I want to encourage you, if you are going through some kind of suffering, don't go through it alone. Share it with others in your church. Share it with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You may think that there is nothing really they can do to help you solve your problem right now, but your brothers and sisters can pray for you. They can remind you of truths from God's word. They can sing songs about God's steadfast love and his compassion to you as you're going through your suffering. Whatever it is that you're going through, let me encourage you, don't go through it alone. Share it with others so they can care for you and love you. Now this prayer, how long, O Lord, is a common prayer in the book of Psalms. And there's so much we can learn from just that one prayer. This prayer is a recognition of the fact that God is sovereign. God is in control of everything, including that suffering that is happening in our life. It is also a recognition of the fact that God is a compassionate God. we pray to him. And so if you are in Christ, whatever it is that you're going through right now in your life, you need to know that it is not going to go on forever. Yes, this life is full of affliction. It's filled with pain and misery. The tears that we shed in this life cannot be measured. But there is an expiry date on all the troubles that we face in this life. And so that prayer, how long, O Lord, it's not a hopeless prayer. It's full of hope because we hope in God who is sovereign and compassionate towards all those who are in Christ. And friends, I want to say for those who are not in Christ, you know they cannot pray this prayer, how long, O Lord. It's because as long as the suffering in this life may seem, It's really only a preview of what's coming. For those who are not in Christ, this life only leads into a life of unending suffering under the just wrath of God. And so if you are here this morning and if you have not believed in Jesus, well, firstly, I just want to say it's wonderful that you are here. And I also want to point out this very simple truth that Christ has not returned yet and what that means is even this morning God is offering you an opportunity to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus so that you can be saved you know in 2 Peter verse three, uh, chapter 3 verse 9 we are told God is not slow to come but is patient towards those who have not repented yet but we are also told that the day of the Lord will come like a thief He will come when we least expect Him to come. So, if you haven't turned to Jesus, today is the day. Repent and trust in Jesus. Turn to Him because He promises to save you. Turn to Him because He has proven that He is able to save you. And my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you may be going through something hard right now in your life, but it's not long that you have to endure. All your trouble is coming to an end. All of your hardship, the injustice that you are facing in your life right now, the pain that you know your doctors can seem to end, all of your tears will be gone forever. And that is because God's compassion is not slow. It can feel like it. But the psalm are reminding us, a thousand years is like one day. So as we wait and live in this world that is full of suffering, we can lament. We can pray like the psalmist is calling us to pray. And we can lament together as one body, with one voice. And as we lament, we should know that our lamenting is not going to be forever. It will turn to rejoicing. In verse 14 and 15, the psalmist says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, as many years as we have seen evil. For all the days that we have suffered, even more, we will rejoice. That's what the psalmist has said. Do you know why that is the case? It's because of God's steadfast love. The most comforting truth that a believer who is going through suffering could hear, is God's steadfast love. It means that God is not distant from us. He is not aloof. It means that he is extravagantly giving himself to meet the needs of lost sinners who are fleeing to him for refuge. And the greatest expression of God's steadfast love can be seen on the cross where our Savior died. Think of What Jesus did for us. Christ was acquainted with grief. He took on human flesh so that he can be a man of sorrows. He was like us in every way except without sin. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He was pierced for us, for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And when he died on the cross, he bore the full wrath of God that we deserve for our sins. And by that, we are spared. So if we are free, we should know. It is only because Christ has paid for it in his death. If we have life, we should know. It is because the one who did not deserve to die, died for us. So brothers and sisters, let me ask you, is there a greater display of God's love for us than what we see in the person and work of Christ. Since it is true that Jesus died for us, it is true that we will rejoice. Paul says in this amazing passage in Romans chapter 5, 7 to 11, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. through whom we have now received reconciliation. Friends, we rejoice not because our problems are taken away, not because our circumstances have changed, but because of God's steadfast love. Because God is eternal, He has no beginning, He has no end, and His love towards us is steadfast. Finally, in the last two verses, 16 and 17, Moses ends this psalm, Really, this meditation on death by these words. He says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You know, outside of Christ, all of our work is in vain. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So in Christ, God establishes the work of our hands. Yes, our time is short. Our days are numbered. Really, our lives compared to who God is is so small. But all the work that is done in Christ, God will take it and establish it. So numbering our days will mean that some of us will need to take that decision that we've been putting off for some time right now. So let me suggest, maybe now is the time for some of you to start a conversation with your neighbor who does not know Jesus about the gospel of Jesus. And maybe for some of you, now is the time to start reading the Bible regularly with another brother or sister in the church to encourage them to grow in their faith, to get to know God better. For some, now is the time to start praying for your children so that they will come to know Jesus. Life is short, eternity is long, and is hastening towards us. And so we must give ourselves to doing something that may feel risky, but can bring great glory to God. Now some people in this room, God is going to use them to do something really radical. But most of us, we will do something very ordinary with our lives. But our work does not need to be grand. It does not need to be impressive for God to establish it. The smallest act that we do to serve others, it may go unnoticed by others, but it will certainly not go unnoticed by God. So, whether you're just cooking meals for others, whether you're just praying for others and nobody knows that you are, maybe you're just giving rides to people so they can get to church, and maybe you are serving in the church teaching kids about Christ and nobody really sees that. Or maybe you're just showing up early so that you can pray or you can welcome people into the church. Whatever it is that you do that seems so ordinary in this world. The Lord takes all of those small acts done in Christ and He establishes it. So you may not think much is happening, but the Lord can use your church to lead and imprint that will last longer than the skies that we see above us. But let me conclude. You know, when you read the first few verses of this psalm, and you consider how small we are, and how sinful we are, it's very easy to walk away from reading the psalm thinking that we are worthless to God. But that is not the case. God loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us so that we can dwell with him forever. So, if you are in Christ, consider yourself blessed. Even though your days are short and your days are like grass, the God of the universe has considered you and has paid an immeasurable price to win you to himself. So, praise God and may he use even our short lives and establish the work of our hands so that Christ will have his glory. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for Jesus. Lord, we would be hopelessly lost and we would not even know the reality of what awaits us after death if it were not for Jesus coming into this world, for you opening our blind eyes, for you revealing the truth to us. And so we pray, Lord, that we will keep reflecting on the steadfast love that you have shown us, not because we deserve it, but simply because of your grace in our lives. And may we live each day in light of that truth. We ask to pray all the story in Jesus' name.